episode of Power Move Makers. This series was created with a simple goal in mind, to bring to the table high-level executives, successful entrepreneurs, and just all-around inspiring human beings, not just focusing on their successes, but more important, shining the spotlight on the road they traveled to get there. Now, this week's guest, what do you call him? Like, like the man, he, he, he is arguably one of the uh, most influential people in the music industry. So I know that this interview is going to be watched again and again by people who are seeking to get into the music industry. But what I love about him more important than the status that he holds in the industry is he just a very, very down to earth and grounded human being. And that's not easy to be in a position that is so coveted by so many people looking to get in touch with him. Please welcome to this week's episode of Power Move Makers, Mr. Ray Daniels. Ray, what up? What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm great, I'm great. The intro, the intro is amazing. I always tell people, guys like us are like, we're like Howard Cosell, man. We're here to, we're here to tell, we, when Mike Tyson came to the ring, he didn't just walk down. Somebody had to give you the stats so you felt like you was in the room. So that's what we do to the people we work with. You know how that goes, so I appreciate that. No, absolutely. I mean, you deserve a better intro than that. But, um, you know, I, I, I tried to build it up, but I, I'm going to let your story do the talking for you. Thank you, man. Well, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, sometimes I hear it. You know how this is when you do it so much, you don't see it from the outside looking in. You see it from the perspective of, like, I still see the fear I had in my eyes when I was 16, not knowing what to do with myself. So I can't not let that kid die. Correct. That kid in yeah, so that's why it's so easy for me to just move how I'm moving. This shit is like, I, the only thing changed in life was, I guess, the amount of money I was making. But the person I am, I never let that go. I think that's why people like Kobe and Jordan are so good, because one championship wasn't enough. They Correct. Was, it was like they was chasing something so much bigger than them that they didn't quit until they was, until they was like, all right, I'm done giving it everything I have. So I just kind of adopted that personality, and it's but the reason that they was able to quit is because they knew they left everything on that everything. Court. Everything. Nobody's gonna, I'm, I, I, like, I, nobody can say, like, I always said it's like, you gotta be, you gotta have blind faith to come from where we come from and make it. So I always said that God had to know, God knew if I was giving them my best. Mm -hmm. So, he knew and I knew. So if I left something on the table that day, I can't wake up tomorrow and expect something good to happen for me. Like I had to, I had to establish that from the beginning. So yeah, that's dope, man. I appreciate you. So let me let me ask you something, because I want to take it back to the beginning for a second. You hold one of the most coveted positions in the music industry. The AR is what everybody either wants to be or what everybody who's trying to get a deal. They're trying to get to you. And we're gonna get yeah. to that in a second. But I wanna talk about your beginnings because I find you extremely humble and extremely grounded. So even as you know, I'm sitting and I'm, I'm going through your story and I'm like, I, I just, part of me just couldn't wait to talk to you because I'm like, I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way. The, 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 yes. the accolades and the success, that's great but it doesn't define yeah. who I am. And I get the sense even in you, you do not define yourself 
by a title. You don't define yourself no. by the fact that you occupy a certain position. So for you, where, where did it start? Like, where, where did you come up at? T -t Talk to me about your upbringing because I, I don't believe that that just comes from nowhere. Okay, so, so I, I grew up not feeling like, like the way I grew up, I wasn't told, like, first of all, I'm originally from the Bronx, right? So I'm originally from uh, the South Bronx Patterson Projects. And, you know, my mother, my uncle was a hustler. So he saved, he literally saved the entire family and took us all from New York to Atlanta. So my uncle did that. Now, mind you, my uncle could have just decided to take his kids. Mm -hmm. He could have just decided to take his kids and his mother. But the way my family was set up from the beginning, no, no child was left behind. So we literally like 18 of us moved to Atlanta to live in one house. And, you know, so I come from a place where it was like, I always knew when I was spared. I always knew like, damn, what if he didn't take me out of New York? Or, you know, like I always think my, my stories, I was at the mercy of someone else who decided I'm gonna give this to you. So I never took that for granted. So. You know, fast forward when I just I wasn't like I wasn't like the one in my family that was supposed to be somebody like and I come from New York's New Yorkers who will tell you you ain't shit. It, like I like my family is like paid in full like nigga you ain't got no fucking money what you doing like I come <laughs> from that environment so. So when so you know I really wasn't the favorite I was like the cousin that they would say. I wasn't good in school, so I was like the cousin that they would say, you know, stay the fuck away from him. You're going to college. He's a loser. So I, I wore that shit. So it wasn't like I, and then one day I woke up like, damn, like, it's so funny because it was this girl, because I was like, I always was in the chicks. I was messing with this girl because one of my cousins went to Morris Brown and I was just hanging out at Morris Brown with him. You know what I'm saying? Like getting on the chicks and this one chick just went in on me like, you a loser. You don't go to school here. You hanging out on college campuses trying to get girls. Nigga, you a hoop dream, nigga. You ain't going to be nothing. And that shit, and it was like, like, because I come from a family of honesty, I didn't look at her like, oh, you know what you're talking about. I like, she's right. So I started seeking something that was just like, I remember pushing wheelchairs in the airport around this time. I was hanging out with my cousin. I'm pushing wheelchairs in the airport in the day and going to hang out college campus at night. Mind you, everybody else on campus is like, students, bright future. And I'm the one that's like, I'm just hanging around these smart kids and I ain't nothing. So when I started, uh, when I started realizing that it was just kind of like recognizing like, shit, I ain't nobody. Like I'm nobody, damn, I'm nobody. And it was a very honest moment. And I just started seeking shit. I started speaking positivity. I started, I started searching for it. And then I'm like 22 years old. And then somebody that I went to school with flags me down. Like on my own. Oh, no, before we get into this part of your story, okay, I know where you're about to go. Okay, let, let, let's go backwards for a second. Come on. How how old are you when your family leaves New York to come to Twelve. Atlanta? Twelve, October nineteenth, nineteen ninety one. I can tell you today because it was the first time. Like I remember, like dog. I attribute everything that I became as a man to Atlanta because, at and when you grow up in the projects, piss on the floor is nothing. That's normal to you. Like violence is normal to you. Can, like, can, can you speak to that for one second? Because somebody does not live in the South Bronx. Somebody yes. did not grow up yes. in the hood. 
You yeah. just said piss on the floor is normal to you. So for somebody watching this who lives yeah. in middle America, who yeah. is raised middle class, can you explain what that normalcy looks like to a young boy coming up in the projects? The crazy part is it was just normal to me. It was, you know how it is in the projects, it's piss on the floors in the elevator, piss on the staircase on every floor, on the staircase. And the lower the floor gets, the more pisses on the floor because somebody might just run in your building and jump in the and take a piss. And I, re I remember the smell. I remember going to school and I remember, I remember watching people get murdered in front of my eyes playing uh, stoop ball where you throw the ball on the stairs and the kids out there. I remember watching someone get murdered. It just was, it's just normal to us. It was just like, this is what life is. It, you don't even think that you deserve anything. So me seeing that that was normal me seeing that that was normal was like, kind of like for me, it was like, well, that, that's just the life that I grew up in. That's just, that's, just, that's just what our life is. Piss on the floors is normal. Food stamps is normal. Welfare is normal. You know, like everybody's trying to survive. So everybody is trying to scam and get over on everybody. Like this is life. This is life. Like this is what it is. My uncle was a hustler and you know, I'm going to just tell you a story. So my uncle was a hustler. And I remember I remember being 10 years old and my mother waking me up in the middle of the night saying, watch your brother and sister. And she stormed out the house and she grabbed a big knife. And my stepfather grabbed the bat. See, this, is, see, this story is so fresh on who I am that when people start talking about accolades, I'm like, bro, do you know I escaped hell? Like, like when you talk about what I'm doing today, I still feel like, I'm like, I've been playing in a game of Survivor and it's like, damn, you've, you've exceeded. It's like, yeah, but you don't know how scary those moments are knowing that you're not gonna be nothing and going after a world that people tell you you ain't shit the minute you walk in the music business. So I remember my mom woke me up and she said, watch your brother and sister. And she stormed out the house with a big knife. I woke up the next morning. I was up to like three in the morning. I woke up the next morning and my entire family from my grandmother's house is in my house. So I'm on the bunk, top bunk. Two of my cousins is on the bed with me. I was on the bottom bunk. Three of my cousins on the bed with her. Grandma's on the bed over here and my cousin is on the floor sleeping. I remember this so vividly. And that was life for like two years. So think about this for two years. So that was life because basically someone tried to break into her house because back in the day, remember the floor model TVs? Yep. Remember, if you had a floor model TV in the hood, you was like hood rich. <laughs> so we had a floor model TV and they was trying to break into the house because my uncle was hustling and he was just giving us everything. Like he was floor model TV. He just hustled and he took care of his family. And it was just like, how the fuck did he do this? And he was young. So now we all got to move out of, now everybody from my grandmother's house because she had a four bedroom house and, my, and Webster projects. And my, we had a two bedroom house in Patterson projects. And now everybody from the four bedroom house lives in the two bedroom house. With the, with the five people that already lived there. So now it's pretty much 18 of us in a two bedroom apartment. You know, everybody's sharing the same bath water. Like, Raymond, come in here, wash you up. All right, cool, get out. Hey, next, get in here. Same water we getting washed in. So I come from that and I remember, you know, we wasn't sitting around moping. It was like, honestly, it was the most amazing time of my life because now grandma in the house and, Grandma is not gonna let mom curse me out like she normally would. Like, so it was like, I was happy that grandma was there. And then I remember my uncle came home. 
one day, two years later, he didn't come home, he came to see us and he just dropped a bag of money on the table. And he was like, and this, you know, he was like, get my whole, I remember what he said. He dropped the money on the table. My family was going crazy. Cause it was like two, $3 million in cash. He was a street, he was a, a real hustler. Mm -hmm. And he said, get my fucking family out the projects now. Like I remember this cause I'm, tw I'm 12. He like, get them out the projects now. Go to, I remember he said, Virginia, Atlanta or Florida. I don't care which one we got to get out of the projects, right? Cause he was dealing with a whole lot of street shit too. So it was like, he was really trying to get us out of it. So my aunt had a boyfriend in Atlanta. So- And that's she, how you wound up in Atlanta. That's how I wound up in Atlanta. So now we all get on the Amtrak chain and come to Atlanta. And now I'm living in the suburbs. So now, I'm seeing two family households. I'm seeing black people driving. You know, in the projects, you ain't catching, you don't have no car. You don't have a car. You, you don't have a car. So I'm seeing black people driving. I'm seeing my kids my age driving up on go-karts and driving around on four-wheelers. And I'm just fucked up. Like, oh my. So I'm thinking to myself, I finally made it to life. Like, this is life. We're great. And then all the kids in the neighborhood was making fun of us. Because they like, how many people live in your house? I'm like, it's 18 of us. They was like, Nigga, y'all got 18 people in a four bedroom house, man. I'm thinking to myself like, nigga, we had 18 people in a two bedroom apartment <laughs> in the Bronx, nigga. But they, I remember just like, you finally make it out of hell and then you go into this place you call heaven and everybody's clowning you now. So it was like, so all of this shit stuck with me. Like, this is like, this is like the man you're seeing as a 41 year old man. It's like, that shit didn't leave me. So, you know, and I looked up to my uncles and everybody, but you know, I guess I didn't really show them the stuff that needed to be shown. So like, you know, just like, I wasn't like talented. I wasn't like the smartest kid in school. So I was like, Ray, you're going to be a damn worker. Like get ready for that. To all my movers, if you love educational and inspirational content just like this, please like, comment and subscribe to this channel. But most important, if you know anybody making power moves just like you, Share it. Now back to the video. You know something, even before you go there, Ray, I, I wanna point something out because I think you raised so many great points in just telling this story. But you've gone on and you've made a significant amount of money. Uh, yes. You know, you have done well for yourself. Yes. But I wanted you to share this part of your story because for anybody who is watching this, I, I, I think you need to look at Ray. I think you need to look at others like him. Yeah. Just because you start out in a bad place, that does not have to be your reality for the remainder yeah. of your life. Yes. There is a such thing as breaking the cycle. There Absolutely. is a such thing as becoming the one that yes. changes your family's history. So yes. I wanted to dive deep into that part of your story, Ray, because I knew that you came from the Bronx and you made it down to Atlanta, but more important, I know what you've become in your life and people look up to you now, but they yeah. need to know it wasn't like Ray was the smartest. It no, wasn't no. like Ray had a silver spoon when he came out of the womb. You just yeah. told one piece of your story, but yeah. somehow or another, you were able to break that cycle 
and are now showing your children a difference. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, I, I want to... When we got to, so I'm going to tell you, so when I got to Atlanta, so I, I was really raised by my five uncles, right? Mm-hmm. One was a hustler. One with the one that got us out the hood. But the baby one is my uncle Michael, who was like, he's 13 years older than me. So I moved to Atlanta when I'm 12, he's 25. But the family don't treat him like he ain't shit because he ain't the hustler. My other uncle comes in the house and they worship him. My uncle Derek walked in the house and they like, Uncle Michael would be sitting down. They like get up. He's sitting down. You know this project shit. You know this is still. He the one. He got us out of here. Get your ass up. He need to sit down. So Uncle Uncle be sitting out eating. And they like, hey, get up. He need that seat. He get up. He would come to me next to me. Now mind you, I'm a kid at the kids table. He's like, Ray, they gonna treat you like shit if you don't have nothing. They gonna treat you like shit like you don't have nothing. This family doesn't. Re- and mind you, these two uncles didn't start speaking until I made it in life. That's the crazy part. Like I. I was the I'm the I was the one that brought the family together because I looked up to the hustler and I looked up to the good guy. Mm-hmm. I loved them both equally. I, I took the good from both of them and I created who I am. But I remember, you know, so he would tell me, Ray, you know, because he was the uncle that was like going to college. He was the uncle that was like trying to be something like he was all about education. And he was like, they not going to love me until I bring a dollar in this house. And they don't care how the money comes. Wow. You gotta know that this is the family that we're raised. An incredible in. mentality to have. Wow. I am 12 years old being told what you just said. You gotta break this cycle. You're the person to break the cycle. And I'm like, I'm 12. I'm like, man, Uncle Derek is the fucking man. What are you talking about? Cycle. Like, you need to get on with he on. I love you, but you need to get on with he on. And he was like, they're never gonna love you until you have something. Never. And that that part was was in my head my entire life. So it was almost like since I was 10, 11, I was told, you're going to break the cycle. Only by him, by the way. Nobody in his family told me shit. It was like, you're going to get a job. But he was the only one like, you're going to break the cycle. And he lives in my house now. I just bought him a new car. Like, And the crazy part is I begged him to move in with me because I was like, my kids need you. Because my dad is dead. I'm like, my kids need you. My kids need that person in their life who's making them see the world through the eyes of, of not it's all about money, but it's all about becoming better and changing. So that's when you said that break the cycle, it's crazy because I grew up with that in the back of my head, every move I made. That's great, man. And, and, and I'm so happy that you shared where that seed was planted at yes. such a young age. Okay. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, sometimes when we talk, like everybody likes to talk about what they've done. And that's why you'll never hear me brag on what I've done, because what I've done, my why was breaking the cycle. What I've done is just what I've done to do it. It was just like I'm not a like when I write my bio and people like talk about yourself. I'm like, nigga, I'm only going to talk about what I've done as a man for my family, because that was my goal. The music business found me at the age of 22. I, I didn't even want to be in this shit. I didn't know. Somebody asked me to help them at 22. I'm like, I had a job. I'm like, well, shit, let's try it out. And here I am. You know, because I wanted to move. I know I got you for a short amount of time. Listen, don't worry about we good. I like this conversation. You know, you sat here and you just said something that is so real and so dope. Your why. Your why. It has nothing to do with money. And I think that that's what people, they get it confused. They, yeah. This is why people, even if they do make it, 
They don't keep it. That's why they don't you last. Me, you know so many people who have made it and are yes. now selling real estate. Who yes. made it and are yes. now doing something, making. I know a guy. I know dollars a year. The first mansion I ever been into was this producer. First mansion I ever been into. And when I was first trying to come up and I mean, like, bro, I couldn't believe I was in a house like this. Like my family wouldn't have thought I was in a house like this. And I think that guy drives school buses now. But if we were able to have a real, and I mean a true, honest conversation with this gentleman, yeah, I bet you if he was honest with himself, his why was not based on anything of substance. It was, I want to blow up. Yep, I yep. want to make hit records. I yep. want to get rich. Guaranteed. Yeah. I've seen it a million times. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so happy you even pointed that part out. Let's talk yep. about your transition into the music industry. How that happened. So, basically, I'm 22. I'm, like, I'm working at Delta. And, you know, I'm the future for me... I'm going to school to take business, but at the time I quit college. And the future for me was, I'm gonna make $25 an hour. I'm gonna top out of $25 an hour, which means I'm gonna make 60,000 a year, but I can also make 80,000 with overtime. That was like the top. Big, that, 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 number one, that's a big thing. But number two, yeah. you was working for Delta in Atlanta. You bruh, was like, bruh, that's, that's, bruh, bruh. that's like, you could walk in any club and the girls going to be, you got a job. We could travel. Oh, that was it. Like I was, that was it. So I'm riding down the street. I grew up on old national highway and this dude I went to school with flags me down, like stops me. Like, I mean, like pull over, pull over, pull over. I'm like, so I pull over and he's like, yo, I need you to come to my house tonight. What? Like, you know this guy? I know him cause I went to school with him, but we just saw each other in school. We we spoke to each other, but it wasn't like we were friends. He, he didn't have my phone number. It was like, we just went to school together. We'll say, what's up to each other? So he flags me down. So he's like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. So we, so he's like, so he's called, he called me every day for a month. Like, yo, come to my house tonight. Come up. But he called me late at night, like 11 o'clock. And it was like, it was really weird to me. Cause I'm like, bro, like why the hell is this dude calling me at night to come to his house? <laughs> Like, I don't even know what he wants. And he's not telling me what he's wanting. He's being super cryptic. So my roommate, had a gun. I was like, yo, can you take me to George's house? And he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, bring your gun, because I don't know what the hell he wants. So he brings me to his house. And he's like, he's playing, the, he's playing the keys, and he's rapping, and he's singing. And he's like, since we've been in school, every time you spoke, people listened. And I'm quiet. If you could talk to people about what I'm doing, I think we can make a lot of money together. So I was like, fuck it, maybe this is, at the time I'm looking for something. At the time I'm searching for something. So at this moment, I'm like, shit, this is it. This is the moment for me. Like maybe this is what God want me to do. So I dived in head first and I was working a job and you know, I was trying to come up and I just, I just my because of how I grew up, I didn't fear, like making fun of me meant nothing to me. Like you could clown my sneakers, it don't bother me. You can you can clown my clothes, it don't bother me. It just, I mean, it, it didn't bother me because it, put like this, 
I'm not gonna say it didn't bother me. I was just numb to it. So I got made fun of for no reason. Mm-hmm. So imagine, so I don't mind getting made fun of if I'm trying to do something. Like I don't mind you calling me a clown if I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm cool with that. So for me, it was just, it was like the music play, the music business was the first time I felt like I could do this. Okay, stop there for a second. Are you okay. still working this full-time job at Delta? Yeah. Yes. So let me tell you, yeah. So let me tell you what happened. So basically, I'm going to tell you my first meeting. My father was alive at the time. And he was dating this lady whose ex-husband was an A&R at Jive Records. And the crazy part is that you don't even know I came up around you as a kid. I'm going to tell you how. How my, when, I, when, you, when I get to the story, you're going to be like, wow, I used to be around you all the time, by the way. Me? All the time. Go ahead. I'm gonna tell you how, but so the first thing is that I'm working with this guy. So my, my, my father's like, yo, Johnny May, her husband, his name, Timmy Allen, he works for Jive. So I'm like, can you set up a meeting? He's like, yeah, fly up. Like my father just wanted to see me fly up. So I flew up and I remember hanging out my father building until Tim finally called and he would just, and then he wouldn't call and then he would call Johnny May and she'd be like, that motherfucker gonna answer the phone. I'm gonna call that motherfucker. You, Raymond's son is here in town. You need to have a fucking meeting with him. So I knew he, you know, I'm 22 at the time. I know this guy don't want to meet with me. Like, I know he don't want to meet with me. I'm, I'm cool with that, by the way. So, so when I finally get the meeting, mind you, I worked at Delta. My days off is Tuesday and Wednesday. I will fly to New York. On, I flew to New York on a Monday night, and I stayed there till Wednesday pretty much before I got to leave to go home. So I remember flying to meet with him. We met. I walked in the house. Now, now this is how I know. This is when I knew I was good. So when I walk in the house, I'm 20. I think I'm 21 or 22. I walk in the house, and the first thing I realized is that he has friends in the room who are all trying to be in the music business. First thing hit my mind, like, he got his homies in here, and they trying to come up too. Why the fuck would he help me come up? So now I'm coming around like, yo, man, I got this artist. I'm thinking I'm gonna play the music and he's gonna give me a million dollars. Me not knowing shit about the business. I play the music. And when I play the music, he was like, yo, that's good. Your guy is good. Keep working at it. Now, mind you, I done flew up here. I'm sitting around all fucking day waiting to meet, two days straight meet when the meetings do, but let me just tell me that. So, you know, as I'm playing the music, his man's is like, you know how your friends are around. They don't give a fuck who you, what you doing. They're your friend. So I remember his man was like, yo, Timmy, I need to get this going. Yo, Timmy, I needed that going. And I'm just listening. I'm like, this nigga is not going to care about what I need to do. I need to make this man care. So he was like, all right, man, well, look, it was nice to meet you, man. You know, your father's a pretty good guy. And I guess he's making my ex-wife happy. Cool, whatever. So I'm like, cool. So I'm leaving out. And I'm like, yeah, man, well, I appreciate you. I'm baiting him the whole time. I'm baiting this nigga. I'm like, all right, man, well, I'm about to leave, man. By the way, I heard you just bought a house in Atlanta because he just bought a mansion in the, in the A. And he uh-huh. was like, yeah, yeah, I said, I live in Atlanta. He's like, oh, okay, cool, man. Well, good to know. That didn't work. He didn't say, hit me when I get to Atlanta. So I'm like, this nigga. <laughs> so I was like, so I was like, yeah, man, well, I'm flying home today. I might leave at eight, might leave at nine. Caught him. He said, how you do that? I said, oh, I work for Delta. You, you think you can help me do that? I was like, hell yeah. He was like, and at that moment, him and his friends start competing over who got my phone number. Mind you, I was like, nigga, I can help all y'all fly. He was like, nah, nah, y'all don't need to holler at him. Nah, hey, he my little nigga now. You take care of me and my family. And if you take care of me and my family, then you take care of them. Get me and my family straight first. Of course, whatever you need. All I ask for in return is teach me when I'm going right or wrong. Just teach, mentor me. He was like, done. 
that was like my first intro. So after that, I got him, I got him passes. Like dog, for the first year and a half of me even trying to be in the music industry, I was known as the buddy pass man. Like I remember talking to Jamie Foxx manager and him like, I gotta fly this girl somewhere. Buddy pass. I don't even, I never met this guy, by the way. I don't, he don't even, but Timmy just was sending everybody to me. Yo, I got a homie, he managed Jamie Foxx, he want to get your number. Okay, yo, I got a homie, he works at, he's the head of um, A&R, this company, he wants your phone number. Done. So I became the guy that got all the industry guys companion cards. Mm-hmm. I'm like the first guy that really started that. Like, I, I would charge you 1500 and all I would say to you is, hey man, just teach me what you teach me if I'm doing wrong, if I ever need advice. Nigga, hell yeah, just give me and hook me up. So I hooked everybody up. And then September 11th happens. So September 11th happens, and then Delta, the airline industry crashes down. So then Delta is like, we don't want employees to come to work anymore. Don't come to work, right? And then they was like, actually, we'll, we'll pay you if you leave. So I was like, well, shit, this must be my sign. Like, maybe this is the sign to go for something. So I remember I quit and I quit in 2000, I quit October, 2001. And then, but I took a year severance package because I remember I was like, well, shit, let me just give myself a year. Like I could hustle up rent money. Like this might be my chance. Plus I know all these guys in the music industry and they like me because they called me to get something done. I got it done. So I'm like, maybe this is my shot. Cause the way Delta set it up, you could quit, but you could still fly. So I'm like, this is my sign. So fast forward, March, 2000, March 3rd, 2002, my father dies. So what happened was, was Delta called me back to work like January. Like the airline industry is picking back up. We call in the year guys first, five year guys second, 10 year guys third, and the guys that just quit for good, they, we not calling them. So I'm a year guy. So they called me back two months later. And I was like, all right. So I, so I was like, yo, I can't work. My father's sick. My father had HIV. Mm-hmm. So I was like, my father's sick. So I used my father's HIV status to get time off. So Delta was like, all right, you're going to get your full year, but that year is up. You got to come to work. So I'm like, cool. So then my father dies March 3rd, 2002, two months later. Delta calls me. Sorry to hear that your father died, you know, cause they had to do a monthly check-in. Sorry, April called me, April 1st. Sorry to hear that your father died. You gotta come back to work. So I was like, fuck. So I'm already going, my father passed away. That was like the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me. He was like the nicest human being on, on the earth and he died. And now I'm going back to work. And I remember, dog, this was like the life changing moment for me. I just remember going back to work and I remember my mom telling me, you wasn't gonna make it anyway. Like you can't rap, you can't sing. You wasn't, you wasn't gonna make it. Like go to Delta, you're gonna make 60,000 a year in 10 years, you'll be good. Like that's what an adult does. So I remember for some reason, I'm, I'm, I'm back at Delta for like a month, a whole April into May. And I remember it just, for some reason, I don't know why this hit me. It was like, if Bill Cosby was my dad, would people expect me to work at Delta? That was like the wake up moment of my life. It was like, if Bill Cosby was my father, would people expect me to work for Delta? Cause if I work with Bill Cosby's son, the first thing I think is what the fuck are you doing at Delta? And then I was like, the bar set low for me. That's their expectations of me. Yeah, I I, I wanna hear the rest of this, but I gotta stop you here. Go ahead. 
I got to stop you here because somebody is watching this. Yeah. Somebody is listening to this on podcast form. Yeah. You had bigger dreams for yourself. You saw yourself, not where you were. Well, well, I, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I can't even lie to you. I didn't have bigger dreams for myself because it still didn't seem like it was real. I just knew that I wasn't going to let what they wanted me to be become my life. Okay. I did not. Now, now me being honest with you, because I didn't even know I was going to be something. Now, my dream was still like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with my life because... <laughs> But I'm not going to be a fucking Delta work. Y'all not going to tell me that Delta is my fucking thing. I didn't have a dream, though. I just really had a, I just really had, because I think a dream, you know where you want to be. No, I think I just no. a goal. I, I, okay. I disagree. I disagree. Okay, tell me. Because you, you did have a dream. You knew your, your existence was bigger than Delta. You knew that. That's true. I knew that. I, I No, I felt like, I felt like, I didn't know what my existence was, but I'm okay with it being lower than Delta or higher than Delta based on me, not necessarily, because I'm gonna tell you the funny story. So I go into, I go into, now this is real talk. This is how God works. I go into that moment, I'm driving on a tug cause I was the bag runner. When you land, you know, you're going from New York to Arizona and you got to fly through Atlanta. I was the guy that picked your bag up from the air, from the plane at New York and took it to Arizona plane. So I was on the tug and I went to the black guy. His name was Philip Pryor. He was my supervisor at the time. And I was like, I got a dream. He was like, man. And it might, maybe for all I know, he didn't want to talk to me that day. I don't know what it was, but I was like, I got a dream. And I think that it's something out there that I, 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 could, I could do with myself. And he was like, how do you, man? I said, I'm 22. He said, if you come back when you in five years, you'll be 27, and these people in the break room will still be here. Straight up. And he was like, I'm not gonna let you put in a two-week notice so you can think about it. Today's your last day. So he pushed me out the door. So it was one of those like, let me go talk to my superior, let me go talk to a, a more successful black man who's making 60,000 a year. And he was like, hey, look, man, today's your last day. You'll be back. If you come back in five years, these people will still be here. You just be five years behind, but you're going to work to get there. But today is your last day. I'm going to tell them that you put in your two week notice. You're gone. Today's your last day. Well, damn, I ain't even get a chance to tell you what I could do. Well, he was like, go. He, nigga, get off the porch. And it was like, so that's what it was like. You know, I'm like, I'm still kind of like thinking about it. But he really like I've been wanting to see him because he really don't know that. He could have easily said to me, man, get out of my office. But he's like, today your last day. You you're not don't come here tomorrow. So so can so, I inject can I inject something here? Please, if you don't please. mind. <laughs> I didn't know this part of your story. And I think it's you know, God don't make no mistakes, man. He just don't. And every time I hear stories like this, I marvel. Every time I get to speak to people like yourself, I'm just in awe because. What I was going to say earlier, when you're on this road to more, whatever your more is in life. That's a good one. I like that. That's right? great. Your road, your road to more. The closest people to you sometimes will not support it because they 
don't see your vision for you. Nope. Nope. Maybe they are limited by their own more. Yes. This is what my life has turned out to be. And what you're doing right now, you've already surpassed me. You better yes. stay there. Exactly. Don't bet on yourself. You're doing good. Stay where you're at. And just when you're getting that message from somebody who arguably, undoubtedly loves you, cares for you, wants your best. Wants to see, wants to see good for you. So yes, right. your mother, your mother, she wants, yeah. she, she wants the best for you. So we yeah. know that came from a place of love. Yeah, I came from a place, came from a place of her, of her, of it, it, what I had to learn, it came from a place of her limited vision on what life is supposed to and be. That is my she point, because somebody out there right now is struggling because somebody that they love is shutting their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations down because yes. of their limited Yes. Ability to think beyond of what could be. Absolutely. I I love hearing that. And then here's here's the second part of it. You told a story about that gentleman who didn't even let you think about it. Today's your last day. Now, on one hand, you got mom saying, stay where you're at. And on the other hand, you have somebody who arguably is very successful. He's who don't even know who don't even know me. Who don't, don't really even know me. I'm one of the 50 people he supervises at the job. He and his supervision is just Ray uh, Daniel. You want to go to gate A13? That was the most our interaction was like A13. Then I go to A13. That he we didn't even really know each other. That's why I wanted to find him because that moment for him was five minutes. That it was probably just regular five minutes in a day. But that moment for me helped me become what I became. It was another little inch that pushed me over a tipping point where it was like, well, shit, I guess I can't even think about it. He just told me, get out the day. And, but, but here's the deal, right? You talk about signs. Far too often, we get these signs. Yes. We, 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 we get that, you know, blaring light. <laughs> Go that way. Yes. But we doubt it. We, we, we don't listen to it. We're too afraid because we don't know what that way entails. We're like, I'm going to stay in my comfortable place and I'm going to keep going this way. Yes. The fact that you even heard him, listen to him and recognize that this is a sign. It must be. And let yes. me just trust God. I, I think that that's one of the most important gems you could have dropped in this story. Because there's yeah. a lot of people out there who are getting these same types of sound, signs and they're doubting themselves and they stay on that path that they know. Yes. It's comfortable. It, yes. it, you, I know how this ends. Yeah. Their life never changes because they didn't dare to walk to the unknown. Even when God put a flashing red light up, go that way. Yeah, like... It's it's crazy, man. Like, like I'm in the middle of writing my book and on my life, and it's really just because I'm not supposed to be here. And it's like I'm. It's like I want people to understand that the way my life was going, I'm not supposed to be here. But I had to take. I had to just. I had. To, I chose to walk into the darkness 
understanding that there was a brighter light on the other side of that, rather than so, staying in that staying in this little dim light that I think is not enough for me. Like I just knew it wasn't enough for me. I just knew, I just knew, like I always felt like I was special. I always felt like I was different. I always felt like, and I think everyone feels that way, but I always felt like I'm going to hate myself if I don't prove to myself that I am. I'm going like, I'm going to hate my life because I don't want, it goes back to that conversation that girl had. I don't want to be hoop dreams. There you go. I don't want to be a guy that said I could have went pro and, and knowing that God and me are looking at me like, nigga, you didn't even try. So in my mind, it was like, nigga, I'm going to try. So that way, I'm not going to say I didn't go pro. I could have went pro at anything. I'm going to say I did it or I'm going, I didn't even know I was going to learn from it. I just thought, dog, if you, if it's like, it's like, it's like the best way to describe it is like the way I learned how to swim was somebody threw me in the water. Like, cause if you give me a chance to think about it, I'm going to give myself every reason why I shouldn't. So my mind is like, nigga, you want to learn to be successful? Quit your job today. Go survive. Boom. All right, here we are. I ain't going to lie to you, man. I like the last four years of my life, I've made more money in one year than I would have made in 20 years at Delta. I believe it. Each I year it. I made more money than I would have made 20 years at Delta. Like, bro, I, I'm, I, I could retire at the age of 40 and still live the life I'm living. And, and to me, it's like, like I said, when people would sit down and be like, all right, we want to write your bio. So tell me about your jobs. I'm like, man, fuck my jobs, man. Bro, my job, my job can't even describe the magnitude of my story. My job can't describe the magnitude of the balls it took to get here. Like that's that is me doing a disservice to me, telling you I'm senior vice president at this co- man, nigga. I'm nothing, man. I'm nothing, and I decided I'm gonna be something. And now I'm everything and every I'm dog. I'm the hero to the 18 year old Ray Daniels, and that's enough for me. I'm his fucking hero. If that little nigga walked in my house right now and saw me, he would probably bust out crying, thinking, "How the f- I don't know what the fuck you did to get us here, but nigga, thank you." Oh my god, this is exact. You know, it's crazy because I spent so many years of my life in the music industry. I spent so many years of my life building businesses, and the joy I get from doing what I'm doing right now talking to people like you, hearing stories like this, I could not tell you, even just hearing you right now, I'm charged because this is what it's all about. This is the only thing, dog. This is, this is why, that's why I am the man that I am who I am today. Because I always say to people, I'm like, you know, and this is the truth for white people. I don't get mad at them. Like, I'm not mad at them. Listen, capitalists, that's what the fuck you got to be like. Once I figured out how to be a capitalist, I was like, all right, I see the world for what it is, not for what I want it to be. But for young black people like yourself and myself, hip hop was a way out. Yes, it was. It wasn't a way to make money. It wasn't a way to make money. My nigga, it's a way out. Like I'm getting emotional saying it because it's like, y'all just look at this shit like another rapper we're gonna sign. Oh man, it didn't work out for him. Like nigga, this nigga is a way for his mom not to fucking ride the bus, man. 
This is a way out for us. This is not, we're not third generation, saw daddy's making it. We're like, we want to go higher. Nigga, this is our way out, my nigga. This was, my nigga, a nigga like me has no other, now I can, I feel like I can run a Fortune 500 company now because I understand how the odds were really against me in hip hop because nigga, we pushing shit that can talk back. There you go. Like these sell Oreo cookies, nigga. Them shits, you gonna turn, you wanna make the double stuffing on the inside? They gonna be, they ain't gonna say nothing besides okay. <laughs> or you trying to take a young rapper who's fighting his own trauma and show him that he could be a winner knowing that he's not just fighting his trauma. And it's not like, and, and this is another thing, it's not like I made, I made a million dollars this year and it's like, you're a millionaire. No, nigga. No, nigga. Mom ain't got no money. And she lives in a house. My uncle ain't got no money and he lives in a house. Nigga, I am still fighting their trauma. I'm fighting my whole entire family's fucking trauma and you gonna make it half him in the inside because you can? God damn, that's why, that's why I want us to be in power. Cause I know I see a black man and I don't even have to ask him what he did to go to get here. I don't have to talk to you about your story to know what you did to get here. I know, I know it wasn't fucking easy. So in my mind is like, why a white man just like, hey, welcome. It's like, nigga, this shit is like the fucking Wizard of Oz. Nigga, we all fuck the yellow brick road. Nigga, we following the brick road of hard knock life, nigga, to find a wizard that might fucking tell, kill us or anything. You don't know. So it's like, nigga, this, just, just carry it with that delicacy. Like, understand that this is, this means more to me than it does you. It means more to me. And it's, and it's okay. I'm not saying that I'm going to treat it as delicate as you are. But I am saying that I could warn the people going on that fucking yellow brick road that you're going to get punched, you're going to get kicked, you're going to get shot at, you're going to get everything. But nigga, you got to come in here with a smile every day. Because even though you went through that, they're going to run away from that energy. Come on. Right. So I was going to talk about this later in our conversation. Okay. But I have to discuss it now because you just provided the bridge to go there. You wrote an open letter. Yes. To the industry. Well, it wasn't supposed to be open. Open. It, it, it started off anonymous. No, it wasn't even supposed to go to the industry. It wasn't supposed to go to nobody. It was written for, it was written to the CEO who was my friend. Okay. I wrote it to him. So can you... Number one, for our, for our audience who's now hearing your story and understanding you as a human being. Exactly. Can, can, can you talk to us, number one, what was this letter? What was the intent of it? How did it well, go viral? And why did you decide to eventually put your name and a face to it? Okay, so, so I wrote the letter because, so basically the George Floyd thing was happening and like I said, it goes back to guys like you and myself. We're numb to that shit. Like, that wasn't shocking to me. That wasn't heartbreaking to me. That wasn't like, oh my God, why are they doing us like that? Nigga, that was every day of our life to me, right? So now white people all of a sudden are traumatized by our trauma that we live with every day. So it's like, so they would do these calls, company-wide calls and just ask the black people on a call, are you guys okay? 
Are you guys dealing with anything? We just want you guys to know that if you want to call us or talk, this is your moment. Now, mind you, I live in Atlanta. I'm the only person. Well, I'm not the only person. I'm uh, My boy lives here. He's head of uh, Urban Radio, but I live in Atlanta. So I, I kind of like, dog, I, my house is 14,000 square feet. And then up the block, eight houses down, my mom's house is 7,000 square feet with a guest house and a pool house and a pool and a full court basketball court. I'm living great in Atlanta. So I don't really have, I'm not really fighting the, I'm not really emotionally charged by this moment. It's just like, man, I'm good, man. But I see my friend trying to be a friend to the company. And I'm listening and I'm like, he's like, anyone want to talk, say something. And in my mind, I'm thinking, nobody's going to say something. Like, this is our way out, man. We can't afford to fuck that up by being having an emotional moment that we know that you might charge us with later. You know what I'm trying to say? So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to write him a letter because he's also my friend and I don't want him to feel like I'm attacking him. So let me organize my thoughts. Okay, so just, just for clarity, this is a yeah. white man. Yes, this is a white guy. One of my closest friends. He's a great and, guy. Yep, and, and, and hold on because it, we, we need to establish, like I said, I jumped over part of your Let's story. Go. Let's go. Let's go. Wait, I'm wait. With you. What is your title at this moment? Because you have a lot to lose. So I want exactly. you to understand you're not anybody's assistant at this moment. No. You're not. I'm seeing, vice, I'm seeing vice president. I'm seeing vice president of A&R. There you and, go. And, and he's a CEO, but we've been friends for a long time. And I wanted to write the letter to him and his counterpart, Tom, COO. I want to just write them a letter because I wanted them to see this is what we see. So when you ask us to talk, this is why we're not going to talk. And I wrote it to them. That letter was written to them. Then before I sent it, I'm like, let me hit a couple of people that I respect my color at the company asked and let them read the letter. How long and, was the letter? Uh, the letter was, uh, it was probably like, it was just an email. So it's probably maybe like, it, it, whatever, however long it is, it's like a page of, uh, it's like the, the page on it, it was pretty much that. Right? Is, is, is the letter just helping? It was, it, was just for, it was just for them to understand. It was really for them. It was really for me to show them, first of all, why we're not responding. So to show them that you guys are wasting meaning, time. Meaning black and brown people. Yeah, show them why black and brown people are not responding and, and saying, this is why we're not going to respond because this is what we're taught. And if you guys want to know how to change things, here's a start. Just, it was for two people's eyes, but I sent it to two people at my company and one of the guys ripped it apart, a black guy. You know, he just ripped it apart. He was like, what does this have to do with George Floyd? This has nothing to do with him. Like, why would you write this letter? You misspelled this word here. You misspelled this word. It was like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, nigga, nigga, what the fuck? So in my mind, I'm like, and it was one of the things where I'm like, I'm like an emotional guy. You can see from talking to me. I like live in a place of like, we gonna go. I'm like fucking a coach of, uh, and fucking, a, a movie like, nigga, we're gonna go to the top. I'm that kind of guy. So when I did, that was my, to the part, I was like dumbfounded. Like, bro, I couldn't sleep. 
because he responded to me like one o'clock in the morning because he's on West Coast time. I couldn't sleep. And he was like, and he was saying stuff like, you know, like, you know, this guy, like this has nothing to do with George Floyd and black people are getting opportunities. This is wrong. So I was like, so. And obviously, obviously he is senior level and somebody you consider a friend because he's he's high, he is high level. He's high level. He's someone that I, I fuck with. And he's someone who I respect. And he's higher level than me. And so now at this moment, I call my friends in the industry. Cause I'm calling my friends. Cause like I said, I could not sleep. And I want them guys where, like I said, my trauma, I can't, I'm not putting it on nobody. It's my trauma. I own it. Now I'm like, man, he might show this to them, man. I shouldn't have sent that shit. Oh man. I fuck. And I'm thinking to myself, like you, like, it's like, you just made me think about it. I'm about to fuck up my good thing. Like I'm about to fuck up my good. I didn't even need to write the letter. I'm writing a letter for y'all. <laughs> that's, I'm like, this wasn't for me. This was for y'all, but he, so now I hit a couple friends and I was like, man, I wrote this letter, man. Cause mind you, this is, this is full quarantine moment. So, you know, everybody's on Zoom calls, everybody's talking and I'm hitting, a, I'm hitting a couple of my friends and I'm like, yo man, I wrote this letter. And mind you, we talking about like four or five in the morning, by the way. Like, man, I wrote this letter. Man, I just want to, tell me my tripping. So I sent it to one of my friends. I'm a good friend of mine. I sent it to him at like five in the morning. He liked the picture on Instagram, nigga. He liked the picture on Instagram and I knew he was up. So I called him like, hey man, I know you up, man. I don't mean to bother you. I know it's five, it's three in the morning on the West Coast, six morning on the East Coast, but I wrote a letter. I need you to read it and get back to me tonight. He said, send it. So I sent it to him. He called me back like six minutes later, five minutes later. Ray, that was incredible. What are you doing with that? I said, nothing now. I said, I, I just, you know, I sent it to a couple people at my job and they said it was, it wasn't, it's, it's, it's not needed. He said, man, fuck them. You need to do something with this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Cause I, 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 I one guy made me feel like I'm making, starting trouble and you're telling me I'm not. So he was like, man, just give me a chance. I'm gonna tell you tomorrow. And I sent it to a white friend of mine, Wendy Day. I'll say her name. I sent it to Wendy Day and she called me at six in the morning. Ray, this is fucking incredible. You're a black man. Don't be afraid. You know, white people, they got more. They, they don't have the fear we have. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. We're going to stand with you and march with you. I'm like, I don't want to march, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing good for myself. This is, this is for everybody else. So anyway, so now fast forward. Now I told you, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. I get a phone call from that same guy, my boy, at 9 o'clock in the morning, three hours later. Ray, I sent this to like five or six people. They all want to talk to you. Wow. What? One person said it needs to, he, one person asked me, is it okay to send a billboard? And I was like, what the fuck you think? Cause mind you, this, mind you, here we go now. My superior at Warner told me you fucking up. So now he's like, I want to send this to, I want to send this out. So my boy, one of the most, if you name three, four most powerful black positions, I want to say this guy is probably number two in the business. He calls me and talks to me for an hour and a half. Now, mind you, he is powerful as fuck. He has like a billion dollars a year in the budget. So he calls me. He's like, Ray, I've been in this game for fucking almost 20 years, and I've never seen somebody put in the words how I felt being a black man in this shit. He said, 
I sent this to the girl from Billboard. You need to publish this. So I'm like, bro, like, man, I'm, I might get fucked up over here. Like, I don't know what to do. It was like, I don't, I don't, you, it's bigger than you at this moment. It's bigger than you. Okay, cool. So the lady from Billboard hits me and she was like, no, nah, this is a white woman. She's like, you describe how I feel as a white woman in this. Oh, like, wow. this is how I feel as a white woman. I know how hard it is for you. And this is hard for me too. I'm going to publish this. Do you want to put your name on it? And at this point, mind you, I've talked to like 15 powerful people in the industry that was all read the letter that was like, nigga, put it out. If somebody fuck with you, and then only thing I changed in the letter, Big John, Big John Platt called me and he said, change everything from I to we, because you now stand for all of us now. Everything goes from I to we. That's the only thing you change. And if anybody say anything to you, tell them to come talk to Big John. Put it out. At that moment, I'm calling for Billboard. She's like, you want to put your name on it? I said, I don't mind. What you think? She said, no, I got to protect you. you. You can't put your name on this for right now. So I'm like, cool. I ain't never been in Billboard before. Like, shit, I live in Atlanta. Nigga, I'm in Wakanda, nigga. You got to come send an army of people out here to go. You got to go through an army of people to get to me. So she puts it out and anonymous and it goes fucking viral. I'm seeing everybody. And at this moment, I'm getting texts from black people. I heard it was you. Thank you. Thank you. Lawyers. Yo, thank you. L.A. Reid and me spoke. He was like, yo, that would needed to be said. So now white people are looking for me now. <laughs> so now I got white people looking for me like. So my boys will call me like, yo, this lawyer wants to talk to you. Yo, this exec wants to talk to you. They know they, they don't know it's you, but. They want to all talk to the guy that wrote this. <laughs> so I was like, okay, if you, I guess so. So uh, Dina LaPote, lawyer, calls me. She said, Ray, I've talked to 10 of my friends today and a couple of them was crying because this is how important, this is how your letter made them feel. You need to put your name on it because other people are not going to respect it without the right name. I'm going to call Tom Corson myself. So that she called Tom and they were supportive, like, Shit, we wish Ray would have sent it to us. Goes back to, this is why we need people that are unafraid and people that see bigger than their self because the only reason why the letter got out was because somebody told me not to give it to you. Now you're telling me, why didn't you give it to me? Because you got the wrong black people in power because their concern is how your comfort and my concern is our comfort. Correct. Your comfort is not my concern. You are in power. You are, you control the comfort level for everyone. Why the hell am I worried about your comfort? Like, if you a real leader, like I, I'm a leader. I want to know the people that's behind me. If they see some shit coming or they heard some shit, they need to tell me. Don't be afraid. I don't care if you're an intern that started yesterday. You could come in my office and tell me something. I'm never going to be that big. I'm not going to ever get that big. I want to always be the guy that wants to know when we about to hit the fucking iceberg in the Titanic. I want to be that guy. So, you know, it came out and then it was funny because I didn't see it from white people's perspective because I didn't care. It was more like, you just need to understand what we thought, what we see. And then I had white friends calling me like, I just want you to know that I'm glad it was you that wrote it. Because when I first read the letter, when I first read the letter, I didn't respect it because I didn't know 
I couldn't respect someone criticizing me without knowing how hard that person worked. And when I found out it was you, I knew that it was true because I've seen you come up and I've always seen you be an integrity, a guy, integral guy, a guy who cares about people in the room. So I had to read the letter again and I accept, I read it from a different perspective and I just want to know that I'm going to make changes now. because. So at that moment, I was just like, shit, it hit home. But like I said, for me, it was, I live in Atlanta, bro. Like I just was like, I forgot about it. Like, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, I, I forgot about it. And then I would get on the phone with white people. And they'd be like, man, Ray, how you doing? By the way, thanks for the letter. <laughs> oh, you want to know something, Ray? Number one, for anybody who hasn't read the letter, I will be dropping this in the link. So feel free to scroll down below, look in the description and click on this letter. It is an extremely powerful, well thought out, uh, introspective letter of what, it's like to be a person of color working within the music industry, but I think that it applies to industries all over the world. It, it, it was. Yeah, it, it is. It should not be segmented to one industry because you really did pull from a place of experience and not just experience uh, in terms of work experience. Yes. Experience of what we're taught from the day we come into this world, how we should act, how Period. we should sacrifice ourselves to make others feel comfortable. It, it just Period. was a very, very powerful letter. And I'll make sure that I include that link um, in the description. You know, it's so crazy, Ray, because even as I'm sitting here and um, we're talking, I, some people are going to watch this because they're going to want to know, how do I get a record deal? Uh, yes. Some people are going to watch this and they're going to say, hey, you know, I've heard the name Ray Daniels. I know he is a powerful guy in the music industry. What is it I can pick up from him to help yes. me in my journey in the industry? Yes. And they're going to be so surprised about this conversation because it has, it has nothing to do with the industry. No, it's, it's about <laughs> life. And you are telling people. Here, forget the industry, forget whatever industry you're in. This is a human story. It's and this is how you advance yes. in business and in life. So I love your perspective. It, you know, I'm just so enjoying this conversation here. And I got to ask you, because I know for myself, right? And I'm from the South Bronx, just like you. Oh, you are? 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. I didn't know that. Yeah, 100%. You know, born and raised, I love the BX, I love my people. And I didn't have a mentor. I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. that teacher or yeah. that person who saw anything in me that would say, Sean, you can make it out. You, you like, like, believe in you. I just didn't have it. So the That's reason so sad, why I do what I do is because I want to speak to a generation who don't have mentors. Yes. Who, and, and, and not just don't have mentors because in my case, I just feel as though nobody took a personal interest in me. But mm -hmm. maybe those same people never saw themselves as great. They never saw themselves as anything more. So how could they take me under their wing. Yes. And even if I am that mentor from afar, 
I need people to know you are greater than the circumstances you were born into. You are. I don't care what your yesterday was. It doesn't have to be your tomorrow. So that's what drives me. But I'm talking to a fellow exec and we've spoken almost nothing about the industry. What is it that drives you? What's your why? My, my personal why? My, yeah, but or, I'm saying, or you're saying what drives you is what's your that's your why. Like I always tell people before you even start something, you have to have a why. Because my why, your why is what keeps you in your weakest moment in it. And I really believe that if God doesn't agree with why, God doesn't bless you. I don't know how to explain it any, I don't wanna be like the most religious guy, but I believe that if he knows your heart and your reason for getting up and trying to, even when you're wrong, he, he bless those steps. He, he watches over those steps. And I'll be honest with you, that's the only thing that kept me going. Cause in my mind, it's like, how could you not bless someone that's not doing it for him? How could you not, like, I don't give a fuck what none of these people say. How could you not bless someone who you know is not doing it for him? Like, you know, he go out there, he takes on these punches. He's taking punches for people that don't even know that they're going to benefit from them fucking punches. I just, I, I just could not be okay living in that kind of world where the people who are willing to fit for something bigger than themselves are not supported and protected in a unique way. I just can't exist in that world. I don't know how that world exists. I, that's the world that I live in. It's gonna work somehow. It's like, it might, you, you might lose trying to do A, but B was waiting for you. You didn't even have a plan B, but B somehow came and caught you. I believe that. I, I, dog, nobody wakes up in the morning thinking that yesterday was the best day of my life and today is going to be worse. The only thing that wakes us up is hope. There you hope, go. And faith that, hope and faith that my better days are in front of me. So with that being said, I just, I just stuck with that. Like, I think my better days are in front of me, but I'm not going to go to sleep until I do everything in my power to somehow ensure that shit. Do you take this same approach, Ray, when signing artists? Do you go into it thinking to yourself, because you, like me, we've worked with some, I mean, we just work with some dickhead artists. Like, like I'm about to say, I, 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 you, know, you know what I would say? The best way I can describe it is, is I have a rule. Like, I have to love you poor. Cause I'm only gonna like you Ooh, when you get Hold up, hold up, hold up. Say that again. Say that again slow. Go ahead. I have to love you poor. Cause I'm only gonna like you when you get rich. If I like you poor, that means I'm gonna hate the rich version of yourself. Talk that talk. So for me, it's like what I try to do is um, you know, my girl told me this one day, because you know, it's funny because this is like the greatest lesson she's ever taught me. She said. She said, you know, when I step out the house, I'm either going to be in competition of these young girls or I'm going to be their goal. Like, so 
I think, so I took that on and you know, she just said it and it was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you realize what you just said? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Like I live by that now. So I say to people, I try to be the example of what you want to be, if what you could be if you did it right. I'm the example of someone who is 41, everything in my life is paid for, house paid off, everything is paid off, mother don't have to work, and yet I'm still cool as fuck to you. Because, and you know, sometimes when you're 25, 40 seems so far away, but it's not. And what you do today is gonna affect what you ha- your life at 40. So let me show you how not to make those bad decisions, but I'm not gonna change you. Let me be go, I'm go. Everybody wants to be older and rich and wiser, right? Older, richer, and wiser. I'm that for you. I'm not gonna be in the way. I'm only going to be the goal. I'm only the person. So that means I'm never coaching you for me. I'm never coaching you for my own good. I'm only coaching you from a place of you becoming the goal for the kids coming up after you. Mm -hmm. So I think when you go into it from a pure place, even if you have a dickhead, it's like, I'm not a dickhead and I'm good. And I got, and this is the best part about me. I'm in it with the same people I started with. That's what success is. What the fuck? You know, they always say, what does a man gain if he loses his soul? Or mm-hmm. what does a man gain if he loses everyone he loves on the way there? Wow. That's So my mind is like, I know you might want to say this to your manager. Like, I've had so many people that like, I don't want to fuck with him no more. I'm like, you're going to go give y'all dream to somebody else because he fucked up. Talk to your man, because let me tell you why. Because you're going to walk into a room full of sharks that's only going to love you because of what you got. And that motherfucker loved you when you didn't have. Fix it with him. Fix it with him. Like, you know what I mean? You wouldn't believe I mean, people came to me like, I don't want to work with them no more. I'm like, so you're going to go work with somebody who don't know you, who don't care about you, who's going to make decisions best, what's best for them, not you. Stay with the person that you with. Even if he fucked up, give him a chance. Because everybody fuck up. I used to fuck up. We all did. We, it's, it's, it's inevitable. So human. don't punish him because he made a mistake or her. Stay with them. Like, I'm all about family. I'm all about, like, I look at this shit like we all in the mafia. Like, we have to protect each other. We are a village. You know, everybody can't be the boss. Everybody can't be, like, I got cousins. I got a cousin that live with me that my family was like, he going to be homeless. Well, guess what? I made him my maintenance man in my house. Hey, hey, he he has purpose now. He wakes up happier now. He's like, man, I never thought my life was going to be like this. Exactly. And guess what? He done fucked up. He done been locked up. He done fucking did all types of stupid shit. And every time he did it, I didn't turn my back on him. I treated him the same way I would treat him if he did something good. I didn't, I didn't go high. I didn't go low. I stayed right here. Like, hey, look, this is how you end up outside. Because you did this. You've got to change. I'll, like I say, I get to that why. Why the fuck did you do that? Man, I don't know. See, you haven't figured out yet that you don't have to do that. But you want it so quick right now that you fucking felt like I got to go scam today. Look at me. I'm the richest person in our family. And I ain't never scammed to get a dollar the dollar I'm making now. I'm not saying I didn't still do stupid shit when I was a kid, but I'm saying 
I am proof that it is possible if you stay on the right and narrow and you, but you gotta give it your best. I'm the goal. And I'm, and I'm building on that every day of my life. And so that's why when I don't even, that's why I can't even get caught up in who I am. I gotta get caught up in why I am. Cause if I don't lose my why, I never lose. Every decision I make in my life is based on my why. Well, you know, speaking of your why, and, and I, I, I think that you just touched on so many great points. I almost don't know where to start and where to go from here, but I, I'll dive in here. I love the fact that you need an effort just now, an effort to show anybody who looks like you, comes from that hardened place that you came from. Brick walls, people living above each other, below each other, to the right it's and like, to the left. It's like, it's like being in a cage. Pissy elevators, watching people murdered before your eyes. Man. And you had, you, you ever see those shows where they got the, the angel and they got the, the, the devil you had Uncle Derek and yes. you had Uncle Mike. Yes. One of which did his street thing. Yes. Made a ton of money. Yes. The other of which tried to do it the right way. Yep. And I love that you just pointed out, never sold a drug a day in my life. I didn't do it wrong. Yeah. And I'm still here. Yeah. This how like like I am being interviewed, not telling that same story that we've heard again and again. Yeah. I had to do it wrong to get out. No, you don't have to do it wrong. That is the narrative that they want you to believe. You can do it right and make it out. You are living proof of it. And you know what you you say that is why I'm not afraid because. You're describing what we do every day, but we both are admitting it's not about us. Like we are the 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 the, the cycle breakers. It's not about us. It can't be about me. It, it, so how the hell am I gonna walk out onto this earth knowing that I'm willing to die for everybody in here and not be protected by everybody in here? That's why I don't worry about losing. That's why I don't worry about losing. That's why I was fearless with writing a letter. Because even when I was going through the story of the letter, notice I kept saying, I didn't write it for me. I didn't write it for me. I wrote it for y'all. Like, it wasn't for, I'm good. But I still identify with the struggle and I still identify with translating. See, this is the thing. Some of us didn't grow up in a house where communication the proper way was practice. Correct. You know, like when you grow up, like dog, when you like when you grow up in hell, nobody got time to be trying to figure out how to fucking tell you you doing wrong. Like I ain't got time. Nigga, I'm in hell, nigga. You think I'm? A, I got time to comfort you, <laughs> nigga. We in hell, nigga. You fucking up, or you ain't shit. So my mom was hard on me, and my family sometimes try to remind me she didn't even believe in you, and I'm like. Why would I punish her for that? Because she didn't believe in herself. Because how am I going to punish her because she didn't believe in me when she didn't even go for it? All she did was say to me, stay here with me. 
Because at least I know if you're here with me, we're going to be okay. And I wanted her to see, it's more out there for us. So go with me. And I'm going to make sure we're okay. And that's my goal. Beautiful, beautiful. Before we wrap this thing up, you mentioned you were in the middle of writing a book. What's yeah. next for you? What, what, what can we expect for you? We know you have been extremely successful and I'm going to have you back on the show. Anytime. I would love to have a conversation because I'm sure some people are going to come and be like, yo, I expected to hear about you know, it's, radar. It's about no music. <laughs> <laughs> so we can come back and we'll have a whole different conversation. Let, 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 to be honest with you, the dope part about this conversation is this helps me with the book. Because I don't know how to talk about myself. So as I'm talking to you, I'm just recording my conversation for myself. There you go. You're triggering things in me that I don't even think about. Like, you're helping me see things that I don't even realize. So for me, it's like, I want to do a part two to talk about music. Because those stories come out too. But it's like, we can't talk about like the X's and O's, because the X's and O's don't matter unless you figure out why you're going to deal with the X's and O's. Like, it's like, it's like, hey, you ready to go through some pain? I mean, no, I don't want to. But if I tell you why you're going through it, then I helped you see why the pain is worth it. There you go. Then I, so for me, it's like, you know, I mean, I've been, it's so funny because I've been, I, I had to do a bio like six times and they're like, let's talk about the hits you got. I'm like, that shit is irrelevant, man. My biggest hit is that I became the man that I dreamt to become. Music was my way out, man. It wasn't I, like, only, like, I hate people that brag on their genius. It's like, nigga, your, our genius comes from a place of desperation. So why would you brag on your genius to desperate people? You got to help them see that their desperation, that that you were right there at that moment. Whoever listened to this, I was right there in the projects. I was right there where you didn't know what you was going to do. And I made it out. I made it out. I can't even stun on you about how smart I am because I became smart out of desperation. But I know you're desperate. So use that desperation to take you where you want to go. Use that pain to take you where you want to go. Don't soak in it. Don't feel bad. And don't think nobody's coming to fucking rescue you. You are your superhero. Be your own superhero. Period. I'm a, I, dog, I, I don't care what no one thinks about me. Because like I told you, I'm the superhero to my 16-year-old self. Nigga, that's my goal. And, and, and I think that that's a wonderful place and a wonderful goal to have. I really, really do. I, I don't think you realize, or maybe you do, uh, just how many people you are going to affect in such a positive way with your willingness and your openness to share your truth, not your accolades, not, not your accolades. Nah, it's the accolades. Not the accolades, but your Listen, listen, I'm going to tell you something, man. And I got so many ideas that I want to do. Like, I know I'm writing a book for myself, but I'm writing a, I want to write a book on how the entertainment world made me who I am. But not the way you think, though. Not like, man, the entertainment world, like, I want people to understand that I learned more from Jay-Z than I did my own dad. 
like my dad is like the, my dad was like my dad is the reason why I'm here because when he died it didn't matter to the world and I remember his name was Raymond Daniels and I remember being at his 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 wake and I was sat with his body and I held it and I was like I'm gonna you can rest in peace knowing that me Tiffany Michael my mom and Alexis who my niece, oldest niece that was born are gonna be okay I got us now this is me on the worst day of my life saying I got us rest in peace. But I promise you, when this shit is over with, your name gonna matter. Cause your name is my name. I am the legacy. I just remember that. But I but with that being said, I talk about, I remember not being liked in the business. And I remember, you know, when I was coming up, niggas thought I was too aggressive. Jay-Z has a line in one of my favorite Hove songs. All I need is the love of my crew. The whole energy can hate me. I thug my way through. That was my confidence. Like, but shit, it, all he needed was the love of his crew. Like, that was my confidence. Um, I, I used to always look back on my past, and then Jay-Z has a line saying, hove on that new shit. Niggas like, how come? Niggas want my old shit. Buy my old albums. It was like, he's like my fucking professor. And he's telling me, nigga, why are you talking about the shit I did, nigga? If you want to talk about the shit I did, you go live in the past. I'm going forward. There you go. He said, niggas on that blue, niggas talking something. I'm on, niggas stuck on the blueprint. I'm stuck on, I'm on some new shit. He talks about this whole shit. And it was like, and the song's called On to the Next One, On to the Next One. And I'm like, nigga, on to the next one, Ray. I don't even want to brag about what I did. Nigga, I'm on to the next one. Like, this shit is like my Bible. Like, it's really like, so it's like, so I mean, like, Rocky Five, Rocky Four, when he fought the Russian. Like, this is literally, I'm telling you, like, shit that is, like, I watched, that stuck with me, that made me who I am. Rocky IV, he's fighting a Russian in Russia. They hated him. He was supposed to die in the ring because his best friend died in the ring. And he, he fought so hard that by the time we get to the round eight or nine, the Russians are cheering for Rocky. And then he wins it, and he's like, I could change so you could change. We changed today. So for me, it's like, so when my family was saying, you ain't shit, it's like Rocky Four is going through my head. Keep fighting, nigga. They're going to eventually cheer for you. But if you lie down, your movie don't exist. That shit, like, I got tears in my eyes because I remember this shit. Like, I remember y'all are clowning me and, and the crazy part is that I'm from a nigga world. I'm from a world where rappers are celebrated. And I made my money with ghosts. I made my money with niggas that you got to just know them. So it's like, so one of my cousins was dating the shop boys. This is when they had Party Like a Rockstar. And I remember it was like, you know, Raymond ain't shit. You know, he's fucking with, she's fucking with a shop boy. And I'm like, bro, I'm making three, $400,000 a year at this time. But my family couldn't celebrate it because it was nothing to brag on. It was like, oh, you guys got a song out on the Pussycat Dolls. Who the fuck is that anyway? I'm like, yeah, but y'all don't realize that we, that when I grew up, made a million dollars in sink money. And 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 40% of that came to us. Y'all, they don't even understand. So they really laughed at me because it was like, what do you, my mom to this day don't know what I do for a living. 
Neither does my mom. <laughs> she understands that I'm in the business. She understands that I'm, I'm, but my mom will meet an artist that I'm signing to my company and tell that artist, please don't forget about me and my son. And, and this artist will look at her like, we in your house, in your <laughs> mansion. Your son is saving me so I can buy my mom a mansion. And you're telling me not to forget him. But I would tell him she doesn't know any better. You can't, like I said, you can't punish her because somebody because she didn't have that in her. But her toughness put that in me. So I'm gonna show her and I'm gonna reward her. And that's what I do. I make sure she got everything she dreamed of, nothing to worry about. I, I take care of my mom. And and to me, it's like, so to me, it's like I can't get mad at nobody for booing me. Nigga. They didn't know what to cheer for. Now they love me and cheer me on and like Raymond is a shit, but it's like, I'm in Rocky round 11. I just kept fighting and now they like, father man, nigga, I knew I was from the beginning. I just knew that if I quit fighting, that y'all cheers will win, y'all booze will win. And I'm never gonna let nobody's booze win over me. Well said. Do it. Well gonna said. Do it. I could talk about this all day with you, um, and I'm definitely going to have you back for part two. We got to do part two where we talk strictly yeah. about X's and O's. But I want to tell you one thing, because I know we're wrapping up. The person that gave me my first shot in the music business, his name is D.Dot Angeletti. Shout to Derek, Derek Angeletti. So every time I would drive to New York to play him, the artist that we were working on, I would be at daddy's house around you. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So every time I would come to you, and that, that was like, it goes back to that line with Jay-Z. So I never felt more alive than Ryan Shotgun and Klein's Green Five to the cops pull guns. Like, nigga, I never felt more alive than being in daddy's house and watching Puff walk around. And he just signed New Edition. And nigga, New Edition is at the studio every day. And D-Dot is just like, you got to get your shit together. And I'm like, nigga, I'm in the room with you, nigga. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> nigga, I made it. My family don't even know. I'm in the room with New Edition. And it just like, so that was like, that's what I was going to tell you. Like, I, so I was around you. And I also, one of my, one of the guys I used to pass our flyers for with in 2003 and four, the whole year, he's, his name was, you probably didn't know him, but he was somehow a, on, it was a guy named Polo that he worked with. I don't know if you remember. Shout out to Polo. Polo that had the, had the DJs. I don't remember. So his partner and me passed our flyers together. So I know that they would be on calls with you. Mm -hmm. So I always knew. So the funny thing is, swear to God, I'm not even, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. My assistant comes to me and says, you know, Sean Prez wants to do an interview with you. I'm like, he know who I am? On God. How crazy is that? On God. The first thing popped in my head was, damn, that nigga know my name. <laughs> no, no, this is not me. I swear to God. That's so why we started. I was like, I was waiting for somebody else to come on and be like, yo, so I work for Sean Prez. I'm, you know, I told him about you. And, you know, and then you like telling me about myself. I'm like, this nigga really know me. <laughs> no. I'm thinking myself. No. That's how crazy life works. Well, here's, here's the deal, right? And, and, and number one, thank you for that. 
people because I'm I'm you know I'm very very much like you like yeah I I almost never to to to, to the point where everybody's always you got to talk more about who you are what you did but that's yeah. just that's not showing you know it doesn't happen for me but it's crazy and I guess we'll leave the audience with this point till we pick it up on part two. Your reputation, how you treat people, that is your legacy. That is the lasting effect. Now, if I had been a dickhead, if I had been somebody whose head was so swelled. Yes. And, and, and not had humility in my heart. You probably, Sean Prez want to do an to tell him, screw him. Yes. Like, matter of fact, yeah, I, I want to do an interview with him just so I can curse him out and then be like, I'm out. Mick Joe Power Summit, 05. Remember, D-Dot had an artist, he had, we had an artist signed to Jive. But he yep. was like, yo, my man, Prez gonna help us out. I'm gonna go to Sean Prez. So I remember, I, I, I'm around at all times. I just knew my role was to shut the fuck up. He'll know my name one day, but right now it's not about me. It's about D-Dot doing what he got to do for us. You're right, brother. It's and, 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 and I'm so I'm glad. I'm, I can't tell you, Ray. I'm so glad that you, you're, you're grounded enough to, to, to help people understand you are not what you do. You're not. You are not what you do. You are yes. not the title you hold. Uh. You are not the people that you could say, oh, this person knows my name. No. Yeah. You have, there has to be something more. That's what makes you a good human being. That's what makes people want to mess with you. So for everybody out there who you, in, in your head, you have this idea of what success looks like. And I have to be in conversations, name dropping. And I have to be in conversations talking about all of the things I'm doing because perception is reality and I want people to respect me. Go play this conversation back. Period. There, there, there was no name dropping here. There, there was no, I, I know this person. I work for that person. And there are two very successful people on each end of this conversation. That's what you should aspire for your life to look like. This is, this is, this is what life is about. Going through the trenches and making it out better. That's I'm much rather be a better person than I am a better executive. Because my title don't make me. I'm the title. I'm establishing what the title looks like. The title looks like leadership in my community because that's what I'm about. So for me, it's like, if you want to talk about my title, I would say you could talk about it, but bro, I know how I'm still in the trenches fighting for, for people like you. How can I celebrate me when it's not, when there's still people like me coming up who are looking for someone to be the hero? Let me do my best to be that. Simple as that. Ray, I know I kept you way past your time. Quick, quick question. Where can my audience find you at? Just at, at Ray Daniels. Um, if you want to talk about anything in life, I'm really quick to respond. When people hit me to say, listen to their music, I'm just like, you don't know who I am yet. 
like, bro, I'm like, like, bro, I'm, I need you to go out there. And I always say to people, I need you to go out there and do your part so I can give you a check. Because my only dream is to pay my people. My dream is to make my people rich. I want this earth, I want to leave this earth knowing that I put a debt in it the way MLK did, the way Malcolm X did. I want that debt for my name. So the last thing I want to do is not give you a shot. But DMing it to me saying, check me out, is not how you get it. Going out there and doing the real work is how you get someone like me to show up to give you your dream. It's like, dog, keep walking down the yellow brick road. Keep a smile on your face. I promise you, I'm going to find you. Ray, I have, I, I, you know, I, I, I have just so enjoyed this conversation. I so enjoyed getting to know the human side of who you are beyond your title. And I want to thank you on behalf of our audience who are, they're comprised of power move makers, people who want more out of life, not just in the music industry, but they want to be high level executives like yourself. They want to be entrepreneurs like yourself. And they just want to be all around inspiring human beings like yourself. And you showed up in every way possible to check every single one of those boxes for them. So on behalf of all of my movers who will be listening to this on podcast form, watching it on YouTube, I thank you. I celebrate you. And you are a true power move maker. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. I enjoyed the conversation. And I'm excited to do part two. As soon as you're ready, I'm ready. My brother, we're going to be in touch because I want to, I want to, I literally just finished writing my book so we can compare notes on that. As soon as you're ready, I'm there. My brother, be good, right? You too. What's up, guys? Thanks for sticking with me to the end of the video. Truly appreciate you. If you like anything you heard here today, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you know anybody that can benefit from this message, feel free to share. Peace and love.